Have you ever been desperate in a truly desperate situation? I'm not talking about, I need a cup of coffee kind of desperate. I'm talking like, I don't know who to turn to. I don't know where to go. Moment of desperation. A couple of years ago, in the summer of 2020, I found myself in a very desperate situation. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before. It was right in the throes of COVID. We had not been able to go to my parents' house for several months for uh, issues with my dad's health and then not wanting to expose him to some things. And of course, we were recommended to not go places. But at the end of the summer of 2020, we felt like it was safe for me to take our kids, who at the time were one-year-old and four years old, and our two dogs on a trip from Dallas to Bastrop, Louisiana. Jordan had to stay because she had to work at the hospital because they were still dealing with COVID. But I took it among myself, of all myself as a, a dad who could do anything to take these two kids and two dogs on a road trip. And over there, it was fine. They were a little antsy by the end. But on the way back, I thought it would be better if my kids were asleep while we were driving so I said, let's, I'm going to leave Friday nights a little bit later and make the journey back so that for the majority of the time, they can be asleep and I can be at peace and focus on driving. So that was the plan. We got the kids bathed and in their jammies. I got the, the dogs loaded up. We had a, a Pyrenees at the time. She's pretty big. So she was in the kennel in the back. And then our Shih Tzu, whose name is Lucy, was in the front with me. Well, we start the journey back. We get to a, a city called Ruston, Louisiana, about 45 minutes from my parents' house then. And Jude says, Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. And as you know, at four years old, you don't have a lot of time to get to the place where they can go to the bathroom. And so we were on the outskirts of the city. So I said, let me find just some place to pull off. And there was an abandoned Exxon station right on the side of the road. So let me get over here and you can go to the bathroom there. And then we can be on our way because I couldn't leave our daughter and the dogs and the car. It was an easy win. Let's just take care of it there. So we pull over, I get Jude out. And when I open the door, our dog Lucy's trying to get out. And I say, Lucy, get back. And I just shut the door to keep her in the car. And you know, Jude goes about his business. And I come back to the car after Jude's finished and I can't open the door. Apparently, Lucy, in trying to get out, stepped on the side of the door and pushed the lock button. And so here I am with a four-year-old in jammies on my hip and the car running with the keys inside, the phone inside, and most importantly, my one-year-old daughter inside in the middle of nowhere. And I think to myself, this is bad. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation because our dog is not smart enough to recreate what she just did. And our daughter, who's one, even if she could understand me, is strapped in pretty tight and she can't get her little finger over there to press the unlock button. And so I have a moment where I turn my son's back and jump up and down and have a little come to Jesus minute because I was so frustrated with myself to let myself get in this situation. And I just pray, I say, God, I don't know, I'm an hour from my parents, Jordan's four hours away on the other side, I don't have a phone, you gotta help me. Well, praise be to God, as soon as I say that prayer, someone turns down the road right in front of this abandoned Exxon station. And so I run with my four-year-old in hand and wave them down. 
I said, this is going to be an odd request, but can I borrow your phone to call the police because my dog locked me out of my car and my infant daughter (laughs) is in there. And thankfully they said yes. And so I called and I, I asked the police to come help me within 10 minutes, three of Rustin's finest and their cop cars were there. And they said, we don't normally get people into their car when they lock them out. But given the circumstances, we're going to help you so long as you're okay if we break some windows. And I said, listen, either you're going to break them or I'm going to break them. So I got to get into this car. And, and just five minutes after that, they had the, the button pushed. We were unlocked and we were back on our way to Dallas. But I got to tell you guys, there's a 15 minute window when I was maybe the most desperate I've ever been in my life. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I I had no plan. I had no one to turn to, nowhere to go. I was just helpless and needed a way out. Thankfully, my desperation was short-lived. I mean, 15 minutes, it was a lot, but it wasn't what a lot of people go through. Maybe you're here today and you've been in a longer season of desperation. Have you been there? Are you there currently? If so, I've got good news for you because you're gonna be able to identify with some people that we meet in our text today in Matthew chapter nine. Because in Matthew's gospel this morning, we're gonna meet some very desperate people. Now listen, they got different reasons for their desperation, but they are all desperate nonetheless. And here's what's really great about the way that, that Matthew puts their stories together under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because as he allows us to encounter these desperate people. He really is teaching us about our own desperate situation because whether you know it or not, you are desperate. Whether we recognize it or not, all of us are in a place of desperation. Here's the good news that Matthew wants to declare to us today. Jesus meets us in our desperation. In our moments of greatest need, friends, we have a Savior who is there. He has come to help us in our struggle, in our pain, in our hurt, to rescue us from the brokenness of this world. And here's our goal this morning as we read this second part of Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see the heart of God for the desperate. I want you to see the compassion of God on display. And I want you to recognize yourself in the stories that we will read about. And to know that the promise of this passage is still true today. If you come to Jesus in your desperation, he is willing and he is able to help. Friends, the story of the gospel is the story of a compassionate Christ delivering us from our greatest desperation. Let's see the evidence of that today. Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 34. Here's what the word of God says. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly 
the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players, the professional mourners, and the, the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but she's sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all the district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and they spread his fame throughout all the district. And as they were going away, behold, a demon oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke and the crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. In this passage, we get to encounter some very desperate people. But again, what's interesting for us today and what's, I think, beneficial for us today is to see how all of these stories of desperation serve to give us a picture of our own desperation. Matthew describes four encounters between desperate people and Jesus that help us better understand the work that he has come to do for us in our desperation. And I hope that the hope that they have found in Christ will be the hope that you cling to today as well. Let's think through and consider these four different encounters and what they have to teach us about our own reality today. The first encounter is between Jairus and his daughter and Jesus. See that verses 18 to 26. Now to help with some of the details of this story, we're gonna also look at the parallel passage in the book of Mark. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, according to Mark chapter five, verse 22, and his daughter had taken ill. And then she became severely ill. And then she died. And unsurprisingly, Jairus comes to Jesus desperate, desperate. And begs him to heal her. Begs him to, to raise her from the dead. Friends, I don't know if I can think of a more desperate situation than begging for the life of your child. Some of you in this room know what that's like. Some of you in this room have experienced that. You can identify with this man, this, this Jairus. And in his desperation... He didn't know where to turn or who to go to because death has a sense of finality to it. It's the one thing that we just can't overcome even though we try to. And yet he sees something in Jesus that gives him hope. And so he runs in faith to Jesus and says, and says can you help me? Can you do what no one else can do? Can you do what no one else has been able to do and help my daughter? Maybe today you find yourself in a situation like that. Maybe someone has died recently. Maybe you've just gotten a diagnosis or maybe someone you love has just received a diagnosis and you're desperate. There's a second encounter here. 
In verses 20 to 22, we see there's a woman with the issue of blood. The woman who's unnamed has been ill with perpetual bleeding for some time. 12 years, 12 years, she's been suffering with this physical issue. That's a long time, friends, to be desperate. And Mark's account tells her that she had spent all her money trying to find a cure. And yet, despite who she went to and despite the resources she poured in, she did not get better. In fact, she got worse. She was weak and desperate and no one seemed to be able to help her. And remember, her issue is more than a physical issue because of her specific physical ailment, there were other religious and social ramifications because Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25 says that when you have a discharge of blood like this, it makes you unclean and you are in a perpetual state of uncleanness until it stops. So she was considered to be a a virtual leper in her society. She was forced to stay outside of her community, to stay outside of her family. She would have had to leave her village for fear that if someone touched her, they would also be unclean. So see her desperation here. She not only needed physical healing, she needed restoration. She was isolated and alone. Maybe you feel like that today. In the third encounter, there were two blind men. Verses 27 to 31. We see them following Jesus and crying out for mercy. See, being blind in this time, it was really difficult. In fact, apart from death, it was seen as the worst ailment you could have, the worst sort of affliction. It was oftentimes associated with divine punishment that you deserved to not be able to see. And these people were forced to beg, rely on others for help. Oftentimes, they were abandoned by their families in the streets. And so in their desperation... They cry out to Jesus. And then finally, the demon-possessed mute in verses 32 to 33. The desperation of this encounter is twofold. Not only can this man not speak, he can't speak because of demonic oppression. He has a physical issue that was caused by a, a spiritual reality. And his situation is in some ways even more desperate than the previous encounters because he has the inability to even recognize his desperation or to cry out, even if he wanted to. So think about this. In this one passage alone, we see the desperation of death. We see the, the desperation of being unclean and isolated. We see the, the desperation of blindness and abandonment. We see the desperation of spiritual affliction and demonic activity. It's overwhelming, right? It would leave anybody in a place of desperation. Any one of these things would leave us in a place of desperation. But here's what I want you to see this morning. What is, what is Christ's response to all this desperation? How does, how does Jesus engage with those who in their desperation cry out to him? He has compassion. 
We see in Jesus, his response to those who are desperate, his mercy and love in action. The desperation of man is met by the compassion of Christ. And friends, this is good news. It's good news. Look at the compassion of Jesus in this text. Jesus honors the request of Jairus and brings his daughter back to life. And how does he do it? Look at verse 25. After he puts the crowd outside, these professional mourners, he goes in by the hand, he goes into the girl, he takes her by the hand and brings her back to life. He touches the dead girl's body. Now listen, anyone else who would have touched this dead girl's body, they would have been made unclean, but not Jesus. He is not made unclean. He makes her undead. What a different, incredible reaction. Now listen, there have been other times in the story of the Bible when people have been brought back to life. In the Old Testament, Elijah does it in 1 Kings 17 and Elisha does it in 2 Kings 4. But none of them did it in connection with the claims that Jesus is making. No, he takes on the mantle of the greatest prophets and exceeds it, showing us that he is the greater Elijah and the greater Elisha. And then Jesus with this unclean woman, he allows her to touch him. More than that, he notices her. More than that, he calls her daughter. Look at verse 22. I don't think this language is here by accident. Again, having been isolated, cast aside, ignored for 12 years. She reaches out to Jesus. She touches his garment. He turns and listen, he sees her. And then he speaks to her, saying, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Can you imagine the joy of those words in her ears? Can you imagine what it was like for the son of God to look at her and see her when everyone else was trying to divert their attention away from her? A woman who lived in isolation, abandoned by her own people, suddenly restored by a word from Christ. And then these blind men, he honors their God-given belief by healing what ails them. And look at how he does it. He touches their eyes. The thing that restricts them, the thing that ails them most, Jesus directly encounters. He shows how aware he is of their pain and he places his hand there. And he sets the demon-possessed man free, displaying his authority over both physical and spiritual realities once again, showing that his authority is driven by his love. Friends, this is a compassionate savior. He is a merciful savior. He is a loving savior, a testimony for us to remember today of the way that God looks at us as his people. Our God is abounding in steadfast love. Do you remember the testimony that we heard earlier from Psalm chapter 103 that Pastor Patrick read over us? I want you to remember the words of the psalmist here. When he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Listen, who forgives all our iniquity, who heals 
all our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit, who crowns us with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies us with good so that our, our, our youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse eight, the Lord is merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, praise the Lord, nor repay us according to our iniquities. I want you to hear this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him because he knows our frame. He knows our weakness. He's rem he remembers that we are dust. And in spite of our weakness, because of our weakness, he shows incredible compassion and mercy by coming to meet us and save us. This is who our God is. This is who he is. And I think sometimes we forget that. Oftentimes we'll focus on the other attributes of God, the other characteristics of God. And it's important for us to remember things like that our God is just and that he is righteous, and that he is holy. And for those who are outside of his will, who have not stepped into the provision of Christ, there is judgment that is coming. But I want you to hear me this morning. As much as our God is holy, he is holy loving. As much as he is righteous, he is also merciful. He is gracious in his justice. He is all of these characteristics in perfect balance. That's what makes him great. That's what makes him better. He's all these things in harmony. I, I want you to hear me today. God wants to help us in our desperate state because he is a good father who loves and has compassion over his people. And that is most evidenced by the fact that he sent his son, Jesus. Because friends, we were desperate apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we were dead and surrounded by death, according to Ephesians 2 and Romans 6. Apart from Christ, we were perpetually unclean, locked outside of the people of God, according to Hebrews chapter 9. Apart from Christ, we were spiritually blind, unsure who to follow, un unaware of where to go, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Apart from Christ, we are bound by the sin of this world, unable to recognize our own spiritual situation or even cry out to God if we even knew him to help us in our desperate state, according to Romans chapter one and Romans chapter six. That's who we were apart from Christ. That's how desperate, how desperate we were. What we see here in Matthew nine is a description of a reality for broken and sinful men. It's a physical picture that teaches us together of our desperate spiritual reality apart from the work of God. But hear me this morning, hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus to stir your hearts. God did not ignore our cries for help. He did not look down upon us in apathy. No, he acted with compassion and love. He worked when no one else could to save us 
from our desperation. Listen, he has acted in Jesus to take us by the hand and lead us out of death into glorious life. He has taken notice of us. He's cleansed us for the glory of God, restoring us to the people of God and calling us sons and daughters. Do you know this morning that Jesus sees you? He has touched our eyes and allowed us to see what we could not have otherwise seen, removing the scales of sin. He has broken the oppressive chains of bondage in this world and given us a voice to cry out to him for salvation. And here's what's incredible. As we cry out, he responds with a resounding yes. That is the goodness, the love of our God. Toward his people. Hear the words of John 3:16, afresh today, church family. This is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him would find life, eternal, abundant life. You see, we'll see this in Matthew 9:36. Jesus is moved by compassion. His heart is stirred for his people to help us in the midst of our desperation. And that is good news. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That you can run to him and that he is waiting with open arms to help. Matthew is telling us that there is hope. There's hope for us, friends. Whatever just... Desperate situation you find yourself in. There is hope. Jesus is worthy of our faith. He is a willing and able Savior. And I want you to hold tight to that. He's willing and he's able. It's not that he's willing but unable. You can say, Jared, I need a million dollars today. I got this crazy debt. I got to get out. I need a million dollars. Well, listen, I may be willing, but friends, I'm not able. <laughs> to write a check for a million dollars. Or I may be able, but unwilling. I got the money, but I'm not gonna help you. You're gonna have to get out of it on your own. No, hear me this friend, hear me, hear me. I want you to see the riches of God toward us in Christ. He is willing and able, uniquely able to help us. That's that's our savior. We can come to him in humility and declaration of faith and find what we need in our desperate state. Now I wanna be very clear what Jesus is offering here. So let's, let's revisit a natural question that could arise from this passage, one that we've already considered in our study of the book of Matthew, but one that I think we must address again because of the nature of this text. Is this passage teaching us that if, if we simply have enough faith we will be freed and healed from all physical sickness. And verses 22 and 29, it could seem that way. Because Jesus, looking at the woman with the issue of blood, says, seeing her, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Then verse 29, he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, the blind men, according to your faith, be it done to you. What? is Jesus promising here? What's going on in the story of Matthew? And how do I think about that in my own place of desperation today? Remember what we've been saying. These physical works are meant to be testimonies of Christ's 
larger work to prove his authority and to fulfill some of the prophecies that were given to us to show that the Messiah had come. And whenever Jesus works in this way, he always wants to tie them to his teaching, these miracles to his teaching so that the miracles are not misunderstood. That's why in verse 30, he says to these, these blind men, don't go tell anybody because testimony without truth is dangerous. We have to inform what Christ is doing so that we can understand what it is that he's actually promising. He's not going to establish an earthly kingdom. He's going to establish a spiritual kingdom, at least for now. So there's a purpose here. And sometimes God acts in this way today. Sometimes God does allow for physical healing in order to show his power to those who do not know him and to call people to himself. But friends, we must, we must also recognize, account for, and say that sometimes the physical aspect of healing is delayed. And when it is, it's delayed for a purpose. I want you to remember, friends, that if you were in Christ, a healing has already happened. If you were in Christ, you are guaranteed a future healing. He has already set you free from sin, healing that relationship between you and God, and he will make all things new. Revelation, Revelation 21.5. But for now, until he returns, we exist in a broken and fallen world. That includes illness, that includes physical death, and that includes suffering. And this reminds us that we were not made for this world. Reminds us that we are hoping for another. Listen, we must believe that inasmuch as there was purpose in these healings, there's also purpose in the delay. There's also purpose in suffering. And all of it's meant to be a testimony to the, the greatness and the goodness of God to help us see all that he is and, and all that we are and to make sure that our hope is placed in the right place. Listen, remember the story from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Sometimes it brings more glory to God to bring you through the fire than simply to extinguish it. Are you asking to remove the fire or for God to sustain you for his glory. It's a different kind of prayer, right? And listen, it takes a lot of faith to trust God in difficult times. Faith that God gives. Just ask Job, who apart from Jesus probably suffered more than any other person in the history of humanity. Did Job lack faith? Is that the reason why he suffered? Is that the reason why all these things happened to him? No, it's actually because of his faith that those things happened. He never, was, he never once stopped worshiping God. And think about the testimony that is to us today. Think about the apostle Paul, who writes in Philippians that what's happened to him, his imprisonment, his beatings, have served to advance the gospel so that the whole imperial guard now knows why I'm in prison. I'm not in prison because of Rome. I'm in prison because I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And... The church is emboldened because they say, if, if Paul's going to be that faithful in prison, how can I not be faithful in my freedom? The Lord redeems it through the testimony of a faithful brother in the midst of difficult circumstances. And of course, there's Christ who did suffer the most. Not only physically, but also spiritually, taking up on the, the full wrath of God. who He wore the weight of our sin. 
He died. And friends, what glory has come from that? What salvation has come from that? To say these men lacked faith is absurd. Here's what God has promised. His presence. Here's what he's promised. He will be with us. He's promised hope in our desperation, a greater hope, an eternal hope that lifts our eyes beyond the reality of this world to the future that he is authoring even now. And these moments are opportunities to set our minds on that. Listen, I don't in any way want to diminish the hardship that many of you in this room have walked through. I don't want in any way to diminish the suffering or the difficulty of the brokenness of this world. I just want you to see where your hope is rightly placed. I want you to see a compassionate, merciful, loving God who sent his son to save you from your greatest desperation and who promised you that even in your suffering, he would be with you. Who has promised that he will come back for you and take you to a place where there will be no more tears, no sickness, no suffering, just joy as we bask in the glory of God forever. Will you see this compassionate Christ today? Will you rest in the mercy that he desires to pour out upon you? Because in our desperation, in our greatest desperation, he came to set us free. Let's think about how, can we, how we can respond to this section of scripture, this picture of desperation that Matthew has provided for us. Let me offer you three responses. I'm sure there are many more as the Holy Spirit directs, but just at least three for you to consider. Today, a first response could be that you cry out to God from your place of desperation. And let me just address two areas of desperation, the, the spiritual desperation and the physical desperation. We'll start with the spiritual first. All of us, apart from Christ, are in a very desperate situation. We are on a path to death that will lead to eternal death and separation from a holy and righteous God. And the only hope that we have is Jesus. Have you seen that? Have you seen God's love and compassion and mercy toward us that he sent his son to give us the opportunity to be rescued from this desperate state, to be rescued from the, the hardship of this broken World, do you see that apart from Christ, you were dead? That apart from Christ, you were blind? That apart from Christ, you were perpetually unclean? That apart from Christ, you are mute, in bondage in this world, unable to even cry out to God? But in an act of enormous grace and mercy, he has opened our eyes, and maybe even opening your eyes right now, to see who you are and what you need and how he has provided for that in Christ. Have you ever cried out to him for salvation? In your spiritual desperation, knowing that Christ is the only hope to save you from your sin? That's the, it has to be the first response today, friends. As we behold the compassion of God toward us, evidenced 
in Christ? Have you given your life to him by confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead to be saved? And friends, let's also recognize that if that has been solved, if that has been fixed, that's our ultimate hope in the face of our ultimate desperation. Now, for those of you who are walking in physical suffering, in physical difficulties, remember that all of those physical difficulties are reminders of the brokenness of this world and that our hope is not here, it is hereafter. And God is with you. He's with you. You can pray for healing. I think it's good to pray for healing. And the Lord may grant it for his glory. But if he doesn't, would you also pray, God, would you help me to endure this in a way that strengthens my faith and brings you glory and makes my heart not long for this world, but the next. I just believe the Lord will bless that prayer and strengthen you and encourage you. And let me remind you this morning, some of you may not even feel desperate today. Doesn't mean you're not desperate. Some of you may be blinded to your desperation in sin. Would you ask the Lord to open your eyes today? Would you ask the Lord to open your mouth today to see what you can't see and confess what you need to confess? And remember, if you cry out to the Lord, he is willing and able to help. Secondly, let's see the compassion of God toward us in Christ. Church family, I want you to rest today in the love of God. I want you to rest in the mercy of God. There's never been a more incredible display of the full character of God than the cross of Christ. Yes, his holiness, his justice, his righteousness were on display, but so was his love. So was his mercy. So was his grace. He accounted for our sin, but he brought a lamb who took our place. What love, what love God has given to us. Listen, if you ever doubt God's love for you, if you find yourself in a situation that's hard and difficult and you, you wonder if God really loves you, look to the cross. Remember the promise of John three sixteen. There's been no greater act of love than that. And if you are in Christ today, oh, what a testimony to the love that God has for his people. You may have been rejected by this world. You may have been isolated in your sin, but you remember that you have a savior who looks at you and calls you a son or daughter. That he will restore you. That's the message of the gospel. And finally, let's bring to those Let's bring those who need Jesus to him. Having been met by the compassion of Christ, having seen the place where our ultimate hope is found as we rejoice in him, let's also commit to bring to those or bring to Christ those who are in need of him. Look at verse 32. This mute man, demon oppressed, there's no way he could have gone to Jesus. Someone had to bring him to Christ. Someone saw the need of this man. Someone saw the provision of Jesus and took the time to take him. 
Reminds me of what happened earlier in Matthew 9 when the paralytic was brought to Jesus. Some people had compassion on these men and got them to the place where hope and help could be found. Do we love people in this way? Do we meet people in their desperation and and not offer them earthly wisdom, not offer them vain hope, but do we get them to Christ? their ultimate place of salvation? Do we engage in the physical to teach about the spiritual? Hey, I know that you're suffering right now. I know this is difficult right now. Let me tell you why that is. We live in a broken and fallen world. And this physical brokenness is a reminder of our greater spiritual brokenness. And here's the place where your hope can be found, where your hope can be placed. Here's the only place where hope can be found. It's a person, his name is Jesus. That's the work, friends, that we've been called to do. There are desperate people all around us. Will we point them to Christ? Let's let this church be a hospital for hurting people, right? Let's bring them to Jesus and let's find a willing and able Savior. Let's be like our Lord. Let's be like the Father, a people filled with mercy and moved to compassion because we recognize that apart from the grace of God, that would be us. And let's remember, let's remember what God's done for us in Jesus and what that says to us about the goodness of our God. Wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Spend some time asking the Lord to, to help you know how to respond to the preached word. Have you ever seen your desperation and cried out to Jesus for salvation? Are you in a place of physical desperation today? And you know your spiritual state is secure in Christ, but you've got a difficult time right now. Would you ask the Lord to help you, to meet you, and to place your hope? Not in this world, but in the world to come to bring glory in that situation, either in healing or sustaining. And I'll say it again, just remember, everyone who was healed in the gospels died from something else because our hope is not here. It's hereafter. Would you bask in the compassion of Jesus today? Would you worship him today because of the way that he has acted in love and mercy to save us? Would you see that as a revelation of who God is at his very core? Desires to help his people when we cry out to him in humility and faith? Would you ask the Lord to bring someone to mind, maybe who's desperate? They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. Maybe you could be the the car that drives up and says, here's my phone. Let me tell you who to call. Father, would you help us be a more faithful people because of our time together before the word? Thank you for the compassion you've shown us in Christ. 
Thank you for the mercy, the love you've poured out upon us. May we never be the same. Protect our hearts and direct our mouths to worship, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads. Thank you for worshiping with us. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website, bayleaf.org.